welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. And we're going to also be talking about the kingdoms of the world, because sometimes the kingdoms of the world come in conflict with the kingdoms of God. And if you understood the sacrifice of the red heifer, you'd know why it's important to us that the kingdoms of the world are not too corrupt. Because if they're corrupt, then bad things happen. <laughs> and the reality is the kingdoms of the world are the neighbors to the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. It's within your reach. So it it's here. Christ was preaching it. He appointed the kingdom to the apostles. He said he was going to take the kingdom away from the Pharisees. And he's going to give it to the apostles. And uh, most people have no idea what the kingdom is about or what it looks like, or they wouldn't know it if they stumbled upon it. <laughs> but but they think, they think certain things about God, and that's their religion, what they think. You know, atheists think there is no God, that's their religion, because that's what they think about God. And that's the definition of religion nowadays. It's not the definition of religion 2,000 years ago. It's not the definition of religion 200 years ago. At least not the general definition you can look up. But it's become, the definition of religion has become what you think about the supreme being. And if God and heaven is not your supreme being, then you might have supreme beings on earth who tell you what is good and what is evil. I just heard in the news a few minutes ago that their supreme court's going to decide some major issues, supposedly major issues for the United States as to what is good and evil. Uh, concerning immigrants and uh, uh, you know, dreamers, what they call dreamers, you know, people who are born in the in the country but uh, don't really have citizenship, uh, or minors who come into the country illegally. Can you can you send them back? And so that they're going to decide what is good and evil on that issue. That makes them gods. That's the gods many that Paul talks about. If you don't believe me, go to Preparing You or org and see our articles on God's Many and you tell me. Because I'm just looking at the definition of the words as they're used in the Bible. As they were used at the time the Bible was written. And if you don't want to know what they meant when Christ said them or Paul said them or James said them, then you really don't want to know the gospel. You, because you have your religion, which is what you think about God. It's not what Paul thinks. It's not what Christ thinks. It's not what Peter thinks. It's what you think. And that's your religion. But it may not be the religion of Christ. If your religion doesn't conform to Christ, then you don't really believe in Christ, do you? So, you know, it's kind of a catch-22 here. You know, you can't just make it up. It has to actually fit. If it doesn't fit, you must quit. So anyway, for those of you who are really sharp, you might have caught where I took that quote from. But uh, so we're we're going to talk about an article I just put out, and I shared it with the people on the network. If you didn't get it, it's because you're not on the network, and you should be on the network. It's just network doesn't swamp you with all kinds of emails, but it announces things in our network, and uh, it's based on geographical areas, so you're not going to get. You know, if you're not in Australia, you're not going to get the Australian emails. And if you're not in New York, you're not going to get the New York emails. And if you're not in Texas, you're not going to get the Texas emails. 
So it's a limited amount of emails, but we send out emails every week. You know, the, we, we share with you audios that we do on this station and other stations, uh, when they become available. And, uh, I'm actually going to probably start making podcasts in between those audios. There'll be shorter podcasts sometimes, might have guests sometimes, and, uh, they, they will have something to do with what's going on in the news. I make the podcast directly so it goes directly out because it happens to have a time uh, stamp value to it. So we'll make them and and we'll release them on the network. And uh, now some people listen to, if you want to listen to our pa- uh, podcast, you can uh, go to Keys to the Kingdom. If you, you're a person who likes to listen to podcasts, I know a lot of people like to listen when they're driving because it helps keep them awake. You know, it's kind of like talk radio sometimes. And, uh, and so they, they, you know, they're stuck driving long hours. So they, nowadays you can just look them up on your phone. So it's Keys to the Kingdom with Brother Gregory. And, uh, you can download a lot of our podcasts and, uh, you can go back way back and you can go to preparing you. We have them going way back 2000. 14, I think we go back to 2010. I don't know, quite a ways back. But uh, they're educational. They'll tell you a lot about the Bible, about you know language and the history of the kingdom of God and the church, whatever the church is, the ecclesia, that's the called out. Everybody wasn't the church. Everybody thinks, well, I'm a part of the church. Well, no, the church was the called out. They were the little flock. That's the church. The kingdom of God are those people who are following Christ. Christians are people who are following Christ, doing what Christ said. If you just say you believe in Christ, but you're not doing what he said, you might be a worker of iniquity that Christ talked about. That They, they think they're Christians, and, and they come to him professing that they're Christians. But he says, get ye from me, I know you not. And so you don't want to be one of those. I mean, Billy Graham said this when he was getting close to uh, the end of his time here on earth, he said that that was what he feared more than anything, is that Christ will say, get ye from me, I know you not. And so you would think, well, why would you be afraid of that? Uh, aren't you sure? That he knows you? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I have no idea what he said to him, but I know that Billy Graham did not preach the kingdom the way the apostles did. Uh, he seemed to be a nice guy and had a lot of moral values, but that doesn't mean he was preaching the kingdom. But, uh, you know, I, he's not here to defend himself. So, I mean, I would have loved to have a conversation. I'd have a conversation with his son. We'll see how his son is doing. I, I don't follow them, so I don't, I really don't know what they're doing. But uh, what I do know is that the Bible mentions religion five times and it mentions government over 700 times. And it talks about government even more than that. So, the Bible is really about government because the Bible is about how you govern yourselves. And people use government to interrelate with one another on a regular basis. Which we'll probably do a show maybe this afternoon if we get to it on some of the immigration problems and, you know, what a person is. And we'll talk maybe a little bit about what a person is now. But what we're going to talk about is uh, bribery. <laughs> and why, you know, what, 
why was the, the kingdom, who had the kingdom before Saul? How was the kingdom operating before Saul? Who was, there was no king. So what was going on? Some people tell you it says there was no king and people just did what they wanted. Well, doing what you wanted to do or doing what you want to do is a good thing if you want good things. If you want bad things, doing what you want is a bad thing. <laughs> but that just depends on you. So the idea, the idea that there was no king, some people say, oh, that was a bad deal and everything fell apart because there was no king. As if somehow or other, God wanted you to have a king. No, that's not what he says. And you can go read Samuel 8. And But why the people decided they wanted to have a king and God says it's because they've rejected me, Samuel, not because they've rejected you. But tell them what kind of king they're going to get because they want a king. They rejected God because they didn't want God to rule over them. How does God rule over you? Well, in your heart and your mind. And how is that? Well, you have to join the network. We'll explain that in greater detail. But right now we'll stay on this topic of why did they want a king? It's clear that God didn't want them to have a king. Warn them that if you get a king, he's going to take and take and take and take and take. And he's going to take your sons and and make them run before his chariots. And, and then when you cry out, I won't even hear you. So, God didn't want you to have a king. <laughs> you wanted to have a king. Don't be blaming that on God. That's how you got into trouble to begin with. Way back in Adam and Eve's day. Is that when, when uh, Adam got caught doing what he wasn't supposed to do, which is deciding good and evil for himself, eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know, Adam didn't accept responsibility. He blamed it on God and the woman. It's not my fault. I, I was listening to Roy Masters. I don't usually like to mention names, but I've known Roy for, I don't know, 40 years almost. Uh, maybe, actually, I'm counting 50 years. <laughs> actually, close to 60 years I've known Roy. You know, I didn't know him personally until about 50 years ago, but I, actually, about 55 years ago. But uh, I knew of him about 60 years ago because he was down in Texas when I was down in Texas. And I, I remember hearing stories about him. But uh, Roy Masters is the guy who runs the Foundation of Human Understanding. I I know a lot of people who used to work there. I still know them. Some of them live here <laughs> or next to me. And uh, uh, But anyway, I could tell you stories. But anyway, uh, he's smart about a lot of things. And he was starting to wake up and realize a lot of things. But one of the things that he still makes money on is that talking about the relationship of man and woman. He hasn't figured it out yet. He still, you know, I just heard him the other day talking about Adam and Eve and man and the trauma that man suffers and never seems to recover from. But he didn't, he still doesn't recognize what the trauma is and how you overcome the trauma. And this is really important that every, and it's not just, you know, it's essential in mankind. Both man and woman have this problem with trauma. But, you know, anytime anything bad happens to you or you do something bad, you know, like try to decide what is good and evil for yourself, you know, make up your own religion what you think about God and worship that image of what you think about God, which is what that whole thing of graven images, it's things you make 
that you worship as if they're true, but they ain't. They just ain't so. It isn't, it isn't correct. You're incorrect. In order to see that you're incorrect, you have to have a little humility. This is why humility is so important in the gospel. You think a lot of things about God. You think a lot of things about the Bible. You think a lot of things about religion. Some of them aren't true. I can guarantee with almost everybody out there, some of the things you think is true is not true. Some. How much, I don't know. And it really... It's not a tally sheet. I'm not trying to. But you need to be willing to take a look at what you think is so and question it. And the New Testament tells you that, warns you over and over again that you need to question things. You need to challenge things. You need to compare things. And one way to do that is hold it up to Scripture. But you've got to hold it up to the whole Scripture. It has to fit. If it doesn't fit, <laughs> you must quit thinking that it's true. That's just the way it is. So, what was the reason that they decided that they needed a king? Because the sons of Samuel walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. So, what... What are they talking about? Took bribes and perverted judgment. What, what was, what were, how were they taking bribes? Bribes about what? What were, what were they doing that they were taking these, uh, these bribes that, uh, were causing this problem of, uh, that people wanted to have a king? And how, how was a king gonna solve this problem of the bribes? What, what what was the king going to do that they couldn't do? Because originally God set up a way of governing yourselves on earth as free people, not in the bondage of Egypt. And so it, there must have been a way of dealing with people who were taking bribes. But they didn't want to do that, whatever that was. They wanted to have a king instead, which ended up being a disaster. Disaster for the king. Because it tempted the king to become a tyrant. And disaster for the people because he began to take and take and take and take and take and take. And uh, then you got Rehoboam who said, My father uh, Solomon whipped you with uh, whips, but I will whip you with scorpions. Which really, I don't know, they have a campaign promises we see coming down. I guess a bunch of the Democrats are now running. Somebody said it was 27 different candidates running for president. And we're going to tell you why there's so many uh, candidates running for president. And, of course, you know, like you you see Camilla Harris. uh, You know, I didn't watch it, uh, but I I just heard on the news before the show that Camilla Harris was challenging Biden, picking on Biden, creating a little drama, you know. And so, guess what? The ratings went up. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that clever? They, They pick on each other a little bit. It's a show. You guys have to... It's a show, and it, it's kind of like a reality show that's not really reality. They're, they're, they're getting you sucked in. As if, if you pick the right king, then everything's gonna be hunky-dory. But I can tell you this, no matter what guy you pick, Democrat or Republican, 
he's going to end up taking and taking and taking and taking. <laughs> I know this because I've seen it for decades and decades and decades and decades, but also because God said that's what he's going to do. And he's going to do that because you're going to give him power. And that's what happens when you choose a king. But what alternative do you have? You, I mean, you don't vote for anybody. You know, I don't tell people not to vote. I don't tell people to vote. But I tell you, your salvation is not found in the vote. It's not found in the governments of the world. It's found in seeking the kingdom of God and seeking the righteousness of God and repenting, which is thinking a different way. Well, you're not going to think a different way unless you realize and admit that the way you're thinking now might be wrong. And you have to be willing to take a look at what you thought was true because there's a possibility that it just ain't so. So anyway, if you go to Samuel 8, you'll see that verse that I just read, which is that verse uh, 3, that the sons walk not in the ways but they turned aside after lucre and took bribes. Now that word bribes, it's an interesting word. It's uh, it's not always translated bribe. As a matter of fact, more often than not, I think it's translated gifts. And, uh, and it says that they perverted judgment. Now Christ said it was very important that you attend to the weightier matters of, everybody know? What are the weightier matters? You know, I mean, this is Jesus saying that he's condemning the Pharisees for not attending to the weightier matters. So, every Christian should have that memorized in their head as to what the weightier matters are. I I have asked hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of people, many, many, many ministers, and none... None, except for people who listen to me on a regular basis. <laughs> and he could answer the question. A lot of people listen to me on a regular basis just didn't know what the answer is. But there it is. Jesus is condemning them for not attending to the weightier matters. Could those people who are workers of iniquity, be? are they being condemned by Christ who says, get ye from me? You know, he's turning them away. Because they haven't been attending to the weightier matters. Now, if your preacher doesn't know what the weightier matters are, if you go down to your church and you ask the preacher, what did Christ say were the weightier matters? And he doesn't know. I I think you might think about getting another preacher, another pastor, another shepherd, another whatever you think he, reverend or minister or priest. Whatever you want to call him. I don't think you got the right guy because he doesn't even know what Christ called the weightier matters. Well, one of the weightier matters that he lists there is judgment. And uh, and so, here we see in Samuel, he says they perverted judgment. What does that mean, perverted? That word perverted there. What, what would it be in Hebrew? Well, I'm not going to really expect you to know the Hebrew. But uh, it's it's nata, uh, which is nun, uh See it, uh, hey, and uh, there could be some other letters in it because it actually appears it, as Hebrew word. It appears over two hundred times, but it has to do with stretching something, stretch like stretching the truth, you know, or uh, extending something beyond what it should be extended to, and 
you know, that's like extending equity beyond where it uh, is allowed to go. But bribes, the word bribes, which is um, shakad, that, that actually is translated gift more than it's translated bribe. It's also translated reward more than it's translated bribe. Uh, it appears a couple dozen times in the Bible, but we only see it as bribe or bribery about four times. But it means, you know, something that is given uh, like a bribe. So it's not, I mean, there's a lot of other words for gift, but this one kind of means a bribe. So they were taking bribes. They were taking money from people to do something that would stretch judgment beyond what it should be. You know, distort judgment. And and then they were after this thing called lucre. And of course, we see the word lucre. Uh, you know, I, you might not find that in all your Bibles, but we're dealing with the King James Bible most of the time. So this word lucre, it doesn't appear a huge amount of times, uh, but it doesn't, you know, it only is translated lucre once. And it's also translated gain a number of times, profit a couple of times. But most of the time it's translated covetousness. So they sought covet, they coveted something. They wanted something. There was a wantonness spirit. So they were, they were taking these rewards or bribes and it was altering their good judgment to be perverted, to be stretched beyond good judgment. So they were not attending properly to the weightier matters. Well, that's actually what they do in government all the time now. And you can go all over the world. I don't want to pick on just the United States, but I happen to be, you know, closest government to me besides the kingdom of God is the United States government. And particularly, I happen to live out in Oregon, so I see things out in Oregon. So we, we released an article this, this week to the people on the network. And, uh, it may go out through, through other media. And of course, that's up to you guys who are in the network to spread it out to other people and to share it with other people. We have it in an original His Holy Church blog and uh, I've also extended it over to Preparing You. And, and the article is called Slip Hazard. And uh, before we go to that article, and uh, we've probably got a break coming up here in a minute, uh, some of the other places you find this word bribe, but it's not translated bribe. It's actually translated gift. And some of these other places, Exodus 23, 8. And thou shalt take no gift, for the gift blindeth the wise and perverteth the words of the righteous. And of course, that's what we're supposed to be seeking, the righteousness of God. So right away, early on, we see you're not supposed to be taking these gifts, but they do. We're going to show you how when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Another place where we see that word bribe that I mentioned is in Deuteronomy 10.17, but again, it's not translated bribe there. They translate it reward, which is a little bit different, but uh, it really does have to do with bribery. It does have to do with being a gift. It does have to do with reward, but you might think something slightly different when we see the word reward, and of course, if you go down to the New Testament, you find the... Uh, the uh, 
reward of unrighteousness, which is not always translated reward. The same phrase is found in the Greek, but it's not always translated reward. But here in Deuteronomy 10.17, it says, For the Lord your God is God of gods. So, are there other gods? Uh, Yes, Paul says there are gods many. That would be the word God that we see most often translated God, uh, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, means ruling judge. And both words are commonly translated as judge. This is why I say the Supreme Court is, in a way, they are gods. Because they decide what is good and evil for those people who are subject to the Supreme Court. And uh, and Americans used to not be subject to the Supreme Court. The United States government was subject to the Supreme Court. But the individual American was not subject to the Supreme Court. They were at different levels of subjectiveness to government depending on their relationship with government. And that's changed over the years. I mean, originally there were only three federal crimes for the Supreme Court to even look at. <laughs> you know, I mean, either, either you're committing treason or you're a pirate or uh, uh, you were counterfeiting money. If you weren't doing one of those things, the Supreme Court really didn't have much interest in you. <laughs> now, they did have an interest in what the government was doing. So they were regulating the government sometimes because the government would try to do things that the government didn't have power to do. But the power of the government can grow and grow and grow and grow and grow depending on the agreements that you make with that government. The the leagues, they call it. The covenants that you make with that government. And of course, that's what it says in the Constitution that, that they can't impair your Right to contract. So you can contract away. And often we contract away in order to get reward. And of course, just to be a part of the government of the United States, uh, as a, you know, an official of the United States, most of the people elected to office have to take an oath of office. And when they take that oath of office, that's a covenant with that office to abide by you know, like the Constitution of the United States. If you if you take uh, the oath of office to be an officer of the government of Oregon, then you're going to be bound by that oath to abide by the rules, whatever they are, in the government of Oregon. Now, God has a government, and that's called the kingdom of God, or And actually the church, the ecclesia, were called out. And they were appointed, this government, by Christ. And right away when he said, I appoint unto you a kingdom, he was at the very same time putting rules on those ministers of his kingdom that he was appointing. And one of the rules was that they could not exercise authority one over the other. In God's kingdom, there are no forced contributions. There's there's no taxation. Nobody can force you to contribute to God's ministers. As a matter of fact, you're going to have to figure out who God's ministers are. And some of you might have thought Billy Graham was. I mentioned Billy Graham. But, I mean, there's a whole list of 
famous ministers out there preaching supposedly something to do with God and Christ and all this stuff. And all of them, all of them are probably right some of the time. Uh, and some of them are probably right uh, many times. But all of them are not right all the time. <laughs> so, so we know that. And so that means that some of them are wrong, at least some of the time. Or I, you could probably say all of them are wrong, at least some of the time. Even, even I can be wrong some of the time. I admit it, fully admit it. And, but I put things out on the air. I write things down. I publish them. If you think I'm wrong, come and show me. We have all kinds of email groups you can go on to, the Yahoo groups. You can go on there. And if you think something's wrong about what we're saying, you can challenge us. And, uh, you know, we, I, you know, I'm on Facebook and, and people say things on Facebook and I show, well, actually that's not quite true. And I show them why. Cause we have this all spelled out in huge voluminous websites. And of course people say, I kind of get lost there. And I understand that. Cause it's a lot to take in at once. Uh, we're trying to make it so that when you're reading one article and you come across a particular word that often causes confusion, and we know this from years of experience, we make that a link to another article that explains what you might be getting confused. But in the final analysis, seeking the kingdom of God is not an intellectual endeavor. Seeking the tree of knowledge is an intellectual endeavor. Seeking the kingdom of God is a spiritual endeavor. And most of it requires you to let go of what you already think is true that just ain't so. So anyway, like I was saying in this uh, Deuteronomy, it was saying, For the Lord your God is God of gods, ruling judges. That means all the governments of the world. He is actually there. They're subject to his ruling. A lot of atheists are not going to like that. But think of God as the God of nature. And I don't care what you think, you're still subject to the law of nature. So if God, whoever God is, is the God of nature, then you're still subject to God. <laughs> so, you know, I was talking to somebody just yesterday about, uh, you know, I don't like to say that so-and-so is gay. Uh, what I say is so-and-so thinks he is gay because... You know, I mean, I've mentioned this. John Hopkins just came out with some of the most well-respected biologists and psychologists. They have multiple degrees, and they've done extensive tests. And they said nobody is actually born gay. That being gay seems to be fluid. That somebody can be gay for a while and then not gay, and then so. And then there are certain parameters we find in people that think that they're gay, that if you go back in their life, certain events have happened in their life. And so somebody says, well, the person I was talking to says, well, people don't you just choose to be gay. And I said, well, that's not what they're saying. They're not saying that you choose to be gay, that somehow or other it's an emotional, mental, social construct. That you become and believe that you're gay. This is the thing is thinking you're gay and believing you're gay are two different things. Belief has to do with the fact that you are convicted of an idea. You can't be different than what 
is in your mind, in your soul, in your heart. You you don't have any control over it. You can't like, well, I'm going to change and not be that way. You are stuck in that way. It doesn't mean that you can't be changed, but it means you cannot change yourself. Now, you can do things that may lead you to a place where you are changed, but you didn't do it yourself. So that's that's the difference between believing and thinking. You know, like you can't just think, you know, positive thinking doesn't really work when you're walking down the railroad tracks and you want to use positive thinking against this train <laughs> that's coming. I don't believe that the train will hit me. I don't believe that the train will hit me. Guess what? You're going to get hit by that train <laughs> unless somebody at the last minute pushes you out of the way. So positive thinking isn't going to change the reality that is around you, generally speaking. You might have some influence on it, but it's not going to change it. So you're going to, you're, it, and it tells you in the Bible that a person who is gay is given over to that way of thinking. They cannot change themselves, but it doesn't mean that they can't be changed. So what I'm saying is it's not a product of birth. You're not just born gay. That it is a construct that, uh, that comes about because of social interaction, uh, thought, uh, influences from outside and from inside, things you eat. All kinds of things can contribute to that idea where you believe that you're, you're gay. And then you act gay and you can't seem to change it. And that's actually in conformance with the Bible. But... And it's actually in conformance with uh, John Hopkins. They, that's what they're saying. So, if that's true about that, it may be true about a lot of other things as well. That's what, you know, you think you believe in Jesus, but unless you really believe in the real Jesus and not just the image of Jesus created in your mind, it's not going to have the same effect and same outcome. So anyway, let's go back to the, because God is no respecter of persons, which if you go and read in Deuteronomy, or even in, in that 1017, that it goes on to say that he is the Lord of Lords, a great God, a mighty, a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. So God doesn't take a reward. So these, these bribes aren't going to work on God. It's not going to change anything. God is God. Nature is nature. You're not going to alter it by what you think or what, what the gods of the world want to say is good or evil. It doesn't change it. God is this existing one. It's what is. It's reality. God is the God of reality. And your opinion is not going to change reality. Your thinking is not going to change reality. And so that, you know, if you, you put God in that sense, some atheists will say, okay, yeah, all right, I can't change reality. But a lot of times being an atheist is an ego thing because it's their religion. It's what they want to think about the supreme being. If you go to Deuteronomy sixteen nineteen, thou shalt not rest judgment, thou shalt not respect persons, Neither take a gift, same word, uh, for a gift. Wait a minute, take a gift for a gift? Yeah, same word both times. 
take a reward for a reward, doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. So this bribery, taking this money, taking this uh, reward can influence you in ways you don't even see. And we see the same thing in Deuteronomy 27-25. Cursed be he that taketh reward, that bribe, to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. So, who are the innocent people that are being slayed today? I mean, there's probably a lot of innocent people being slayed. You bomb a country, you know, that you're you're going to kill some people that didn't do anything. I mean, it's just, you know, that's just the way it is. But who, if you were looking around trying to find out who are the most innocent people being killed, well, it's abortion. I mean... You know, the child in the womb, he hasn't had a chance to do anything, but you're killing him. And so there you, you have, uh, in Deuteronomy 27, 25, cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person. Uh, so that, that pretty much annihilates Planned Parenthood and all the supporters of Planned Parenthood. Uh, and, uh, but that's another discussion we'll take later. And, uh, but, you know, I can go on and, and we, we see that word in Samuel. Like I say, it appears many, many, many times. And this whole idea of respecter of persons, we see the same thing popping up in Romans 2.11. For there is no respect of persons with God. But there is a respect of persons with you. In other words, you will have people, a person is an office. And this will go, if we eventually get to their discussion about, uh, you know, are, are illegals persons? And, and what does that mean? Because they say, well, illegals have legal rights. And, uh, they says because they're persons. But a person is a member. So if you're a person in Germany, are your legal rights the same as a person in the United States? Well, a person in Germany has no right to teach their children at home. You get arrested and put into jail if you teach your children at home. So a legal person in Germany does not have that right of homeschooling. They just don't have it because that right depends upon their membership as a citizen of Germany. And so your citizen as a citizen of the United States or a citizen of Oregon that's your personhood, and that gives you certain rights. If you're a senator or congressman in Oregon, that you will have different legal rights and responsibilities. There will be some things you can't do because you're bound by the Constitution and the rules that cover those who hold office. And so when people talk about legal rights of persons, all persons have legal rights, but they're not all the same. Because legal rights come from legal systems. And the legal system in Germany is different than the legal system in the United States. And the legal system in Oregon is different than the legal system in uh, New Hampshire or, or New Jersey or Florida or Texas. So those rights will vary. Most people can't carry that many balls in their hand at the same time to juggle. And that's the idea. It can seem to get complex. But we're going to make it really simple. So I'm, I wrote this article, Slip Hazard, and the reason I wrote it is in, in Oregon, and we'll get to the first part of this really quick. You can go read the article at preparingyou or at hisholychurch.org slash blog, 
um, you can you can see uh, it listed there as slip hazard. And the reason I wrote it is my son happened to be in the state capitol when 11 senators, it was discovered that they had left the building. And they had left the building to prevent the Congress from voting on a particular issue. Because without a quorum, you have to have a certain number of senators there to vote on anything. So they all have a chance to vote. That they have a supermajority. So the Democrats are just pushing every bill through. I mean, they, they didn't even have the votes to push certain bills through. And then they stopped in the middle of the vote, ushered all the Democratic congressmen into a room and talked to them, and then came back out, and they all voted the same way. <laughs> so I don't know what they said in there, but that's that's actually illegal as far as the procedures. You can't, in the middle of a vote, without stopping, go out and and start influencing all the people that are voting. So what what's happening? What what are they being told? Well, they're actually being told they're not getting any more bribes, and those bribes don't just come in the form of money. They come in the form of influence and everything else. So somehow or other, one individual who took all these voters in there affected the vote of all of them. So they stretched judgment <laughs> because of the influence of whatever they said in there. But that's not really what we're talking about. But anyway, he took a picture in the state capitol, which was empty. He said that he seemed to be the only one in the whole building, and it was absolutely empty. And he took this picture, and there's a big sign that says, Caution, Slip Hazard, Please Wipe Your Feet. Well, being the individual that I am, thinking in metaphors all the time, I thought, that's a parable right there. Because <laughs> we got all these people running around in the state capitol, and they need their feet, feet washed. They need to get their feet clean because they're in hazardous territory. There is a danger that they are going to slip. So anyway, I just revealed to you the metaphor. So anyway, these guys all left and they can't have a vote and they left the state and the, the governor, uh, supposedly the governor, uh, Kate Brown, uh, I say supposedly governor, which is the essence of what we're going to talk about before we're done in this next hour, is uh, issues an order that the state troopers are supposed to go out and find these guys <laughs> and bring them back. Well, normally you send out the sergeant of arms, but she's sending out the state troopers. And we actually, in the article, at least in the footnotes, we have the statement of the state troopers and what they're going to do. Because it's kind of a dangerous area. Supposedly, uh, you know, militia people, uh, what they call the three percenters, are helping some of these senators hide and helping them get out of the state, and and the three percenters, they go out from state to state. So they may have provided some place for these people to go and hide. And some, a lot of people who aren't familiar with the government they and how it works, they think, oh, this is so terrible that the Republicans just do this. How childish. Why don't they just stay and vote? And Well, I can give you half a dozen examples where Democrats did the same exact thing in Wisconsin and other states where they left to avoid a quorum so that they couldn't vote on something because they knew they were going to lose. And they did it because they were representing their constituents that they thought would be harmed by this particular vote, bill or whatever it was. Even Abraham Lincoln once jumped out of the window during a session of Congress and ran down the street 
to prevent them from proceeding because he wasn't in the room anymore and they couldn't proceed without him. So, I mean, there's a long history of this. It's part of the process and there's a reason for it. It's not the best road, but they brought attention to it and they seem to have killed the bill that they were trying to pass. And, you know, I mentioned things in the article, the first part of the article, you know, the pros and cons of the bill. And you could go into it in a great deal of depth. Most people haven't read it. My son actually has read it and talked to people who have read it. And so, and he's filled me in, briefed me on it. I didn't read the whole thing, but I've read more bills than anybody I know living. So I know how this works. I know how the system works. But uh it would have created a huge, gigantic slush fund, which the governor and the Democrats would have had control over. I mean, we're talking billions of dollars that they could move around and do almost anything with. Although they claim to be doing this to protect us all from global warming, there's no evidence that it would have done any significant thing other than put billions of dollars in the hands of whoever's in power. And the question is, who is lawfully in power? That's the real problem. The real problem is, who's the governor of Oregon? Is Kate Brown really the governor of Oregon? Does she have a legal right to the office? Was she duly elected? Is she abiding by the rules of the Constitution of Oregon? Or is she taking bribes? You know, can can I prove that she's taking bribes? Can I prove that she is not abiding by the rules? Can I prove that she forfeits the office of governor and has no right to do any of these things, including tell this, the uh, Oregon State Police to go look for senators? I can actually prove in less than three minutes that she has no right to the office whatsoever. But, you know, the reality is that people of Oregon are giving her the right. But they're giving her the right by not doing their job. Because they're acquiescing to the fact that she says she's the governor and she has no right to the office. I mean, it's not hard to prove. It's easy to prove. It's easy to prove in a matter of minutes that she has no right to the office. Why aren't all these senators who are fleeing the state proving that she doesn't have a right to the office and she doesn't have a right to bring this bill. She doesn't have a right to sign the bill. And most of the senators who are bringing the bill to the floor of the Senate and to the legislature have no right to do so. Why aren't they proving this openly, stating this openly in Congress? Because it's easy to prove. It's beyond a shadow of a doubt you can prove that they have no right to be imposing these taxes, rules rules on vaccination. They have no right to impose those because they have no right to the office that they are occupying and saying and legislating and voting from. And that's easy to prove they have no right to that office. But why aren't they doing it? It's because they don't have any right to the office either. As a matter of fact, from my cursory examination of the facts, which, I mean, I just don't... It's another government, so I, I don't want to meddle in that what that government's doing, but it's my neighbor. I see my neighbor, a, a very powerful neighbor, with lots of, you know, OSP guys, and, you know, I got an OSP guy building a house right above me, and, you know, they have a lot of power. 
And I see corruption in their government. And I want to notify their people, because I'm in the truth business. I want them to notify those people that, you know, they're, they're taking bribes and they're, they're arresting power that is not theirs and they're going to tax and tax and tax and tax, take and take and take and take and take. So as a prophet of God, I have to tell you these things. But I can't tell you what to do. I don't, can't regulate you. I can't go in there and, you know, people want to recall the governor. You don't have to recall her. She, she doesn't have any right to the office. By her own rules. By the rules she's sworn to uphold. Now, people are hearing this in this part of the show and they're thinking like, what is he talking about? You can prove this in a matter of minutes. I can, I can prove it on a sticky note. I can show you. It's easy to prove. But they're not bringing it up because they don't have a right to office. Everybody, everybody is taking bribes and violating their oaths of office and disregarding the rules of their office according to the Oregon Constitution. And I'll tell you where you can find it. And so you can look it up during the break. But it's Article 2, Section 22 of the Oregon Constitution. There's four paragraphs there. Uh, you don't even need to read all four, but uh, I would recommend you read all four. And you can Google this and look it up. That anybody in violation of the stipulations of one and two are a felon and they forfeit the office and they can't run for that office again <laughs> anytime within the next uh, four to eight years, depending on the office. And you can look this up and then I show you and we show you in the article. How to look it up for your congressman, your senator in Oregon. And, you know, it'd be fantastic that people actually stepped forward and said, yeah, we want the law obeyed. But they're not doing it. But maybe they will if they're awakened to it. We'll be right back and tell you how to do that. Well, welcome back to Keys to the Kingdom. We talked about respecter of persons. And there's numerous places in the Bible where it talks about respect to a person, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. And of course, that person is a member. It's a little bit different Greek word than the Hebrew word, but it really is very close to the same thing in Colossians. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. So you may have an office and uh you know, a you know, a legal personhood, a membership in a system. But God judges above all that. So that if you're, if you have an obligation to do certain things, like the Roman centurion, he was a person in the Roman army. He was a member of the Roman army. There were certain things that he could do and certain things he couldn't do. And as long as what he could do or couldn't do was within the terms of that position, that was somewhat okay with God. It gave him certain license to do certain things without blame because he was maintaining his word. He's making his yes, yes, and his no, no, and he was fulfilling his obligation. We see the same conversation with uh, soldiers who were out there with John the Baptist, and they're getting baptized, and they said, what about us? Because they understand that this baptism, at that time, the baptism of John the Baptist was jurisdictional. 
because John the Baptist's position was jurisdictional because literally John the Baptist was the rightful high priest of Judea. There was another set of high priests <laughs> over there who eventually was Caiaphas. Uh, before that, it was the sons of Ananias. And uh, they were doing something different than John the Baptist. John the Baptist would, had moved the laver out to the to uh, the Jordan, and so that when you washed up, you washed up with John the Baptist. You you went and you provided the services of the temple without a building. You were the living stones of the temple that in which John the Baptist was serving. So when you got baptized, those people started going to that living temple for their their benefits uh, of society. You know, their free bread. And when they needed free bread, when they fell on hard times, they went into that network of John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist says you do it by charity. You know, you 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 have a need. You go to the gathering of people. John the Baptist was probably in the scene. The Essenes gathered in groups of ten, and then they had a minister. That's eleven, and then that minister had a minister. That's twelve, and that's the way they organized themselves in this tens, hundreds, and thousands. You know, the minister of the minister he gathered in a group of ten ministers, and he had a minister, and that's the twelve. So. Altogether, that tens, hundreds, and thousands, that was a single unit, but it wasn't a corporate unit. It was a voluntary unit because there was no taxes, but there were tithings. You you fed one another. You helped one another. You did, you know, with clothing and lodging and food, you did it through charity. John the Baptist is clear on this. You didn't do it through force. Everybody, all the other governments were using force. They would force the contributions of the people and then they'd provide free bread through the temples of Rome, through the temples of Herod. And that was the distinction between the two. This was the Christian conflict. This is why Christians were persecuted because they had their own system. It was called private religion. Because remember, religion, pure religion, is taking care of the needy of your society, unspotted by the constitutional order and systems of governments of the world. That's what it means by unspotted by the world. They use a particular word that means that. So anyway, that's the conflict. So, okay, we go back to John. He's got a government that's out there on the Jordan River, doesn't have a big capital building. It's a, it's a living network of people that are taking care of one another. That's what early Christianity was. That was the way. You know, it was a temple made without hands. It was a temple made of living stones. And so that's, your preacher may not be telling you that. If your preacher's talking to you about, oh, you got to build this uh, temple in Jerusalem and start killing red cows in order for the second coming. No, wrong temple. <laughs> misinterpretation of an ignorant pastor who may be a really nice guy, but he's ignorant of the actual gospel and what it's talking about. Because he, if he isn't telling you what the weightier matters are, he doesn't know about the rest of the stuff either, probably. So, anyway, back to the slip hazard. So, we're setting the scene that there's, there's this other form of government, and then there's our neighbor, Caesar. Caesar's government. Nimrod's government. You know, uh, you know, all the other governments around about the world. That's, that's separate from the kingdom. 
Many of you are trapped in those governments. Your merchandise, in those, your human resources in those governments. Your children are surety for debt of those governments. And I understand that. And you can't just get out by waving your hand because that would mean that you could save yourself. <laughs> you can't. You can't save yourself. You can be saved. How do you get saved? Well, you have to repent. You have to think a different way. If you think you can save yourself with a thought or saying a phrase, a couple of words, you're delusional. You can't save yourself by simply saying the word. Paul talks about that. He's already preached Christ to these people. When he says believe, he's talking about believing in the way of Christ. And he's talking to people that have already given up their personhood in the temple. And they had a right to give up their personhood in the temple, their membership in the temple. Because when they got baptized, they were cast out. They were put out of the synagogue temple system of the Pharisees. No more free bread. You see, this was a blind man and his his mother and his father. They didn't want to profess Jesus because they knew they would be cast out and no more benefits. No more personhood. So they didn't want to say anything. The son, he just was made so he could see and he said something and he was put out and Jesus comes and finds them and he says, come into their government, which was the kingdom of God. And it was served by the church. Ministers who did not exercise authority, did not rule over you, did know what the weightier matters were. So that's why I say if your, your pastor doesn't know what the weightier matters are, you probably need a different one. So, they were operating a different system of pure religion, taking care of the needy of their society. And a daily administration, rightly dividing the bread from house to house. It's all right there in the text. But people don't see it because you have to awaken in order to see it. So anyway, the world operates by force. If you're a person in the world, you can get free benefits. And they'll give you those free benefits by taking away from your neighbor. Of course, they've taken and taken and taken and taken until there isn't any more to take. So now they're taking away from your future because they're borrowing money against the future of your children to provide benefits today. Because none of them are Sabbath keepers. They don't work first and then earn their rest. They borrow against the future to have their rest today. They want to have their benefit today and will will pay back some money lender later on. So all this, once you start seeing this, it's, it should start making sense, but you have to admit that what you have been seeing is wrong. So we're going to take a look here in this second hour at the kingdoms of the world. And we're not advocating them. We're not saying fight against them. We're actually saying keep your rules. You know, but we're doing it from the point of view. Our concern in this whole slip hazard argument is the slip hazard that is facing the people. Now, we see, we're not respecters of persons, so we see the senators and congressmen as people too. But the reality is, all together, the people and everybody, they all are playing a part in this government of men. The government of the world. And this is not just in this country, but I'm looking at Oregon because we have this unique situation because this, this, uh, uh, constitutional rule 
Article 2, Section 22 that we mentioned. It's, it's law. It's been challenged in the Superior Court, District Court, Appeals Court, and it's law. And they have to abide by it. And they're not. And the only one that will hold them to this is the people. And the people won't. And this takes us back to what we talked about in the first hour with Samuel. Samuel, the people saw that these guys were taking bribes higher up in their government. And actually it was in the courts themselves that they were taking these bribes. And they wanted uh, something done about it. Well, their idea was to give more power to somebody else like Saul, which was a disaster. But they could have done it another way. The people gathered together. They were supposedly already gathered together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And the people actually care about their neighbor's rights as much as they care about their own. And they say, well, you know, if you elect this guy who's taking a bribe, we're not going to elect you. Because, see, you didn't elect the guys high up. You elected the guy immediately in your congregation. You picked the minister immediately in your congregation. He picked the next guy. And then that guy got together with nine other guys. And he picked the next guy. And this is how the tens worked. But you had to care about, you know, somebody, you know, four towns over who was a subject where they stretched judgment because they took a bribe and they... They abused power. You have to care about him. Even though it didn't affect you, you have to care about him as much as you care about yourself. And you have to say, because that's how you affect, you tell your minister, if you guys let this go on, we're going to pick a different minister. And so they they tell the guy that they pick, that my people aren't going to put up with this anymore. And so you need to pick. And you, get, and you just, it passes up. And now, it's supposed to be a government that does not exercise authority one over the other. These men are representatives, but it, the taking a bribe, you have to go read our articles on the cities of refuge uh, and what that was all about to understand where this is coming from. The governments of the world aren't organized that way. They're top down. You elect kings. You elect lawmakers. You elect rulers who exercise, you know, executive officers. So it's a different thing with you guys out there in the world. But it is what it is. So now they see corruption. Some people see it. Not everybody. They're starting to wake up to see some corruption for different reasons. And they want now, they they want to get rid of Kate Brown. There's a large number of people who want to get rid of, you know, Brown's got to go. And uh, I won't say all the things that they say about her, but, you know, because I don't want to say bad things about her. But they're circulating a petition, this is just a matter of fact, to have her recalled. But I just said in the previous hour that she doesn't have any right to the office, so we need to look at that. But my concern, again, is that the people need to step up, caring about their neighbors as much as they care about themselves. You know, and uh, even in my own family, I hear the tendency to do that. We have these discussions they say, well, I have to be concerned about my kids first. Yes, but you have to be concerned about their neighbor's kids in order to really bring the Holy Spirit into play. You have to be concerned about your neighbor's kids equal to your own. That's hard to do. That's not natural for most people because when I say natural, natural in a biological sense. The hormones, the instinct, the mother bear instinct to protect her children. 
that's just going to come up and that's going to try to be predominant. But And that's okay. That's built in to your system as an individual. But spiritually, you have to care about your neighbor's kids as much. And if you don't have that spirit, you're going to look at this deal and say, well, I'm just not going to make waves. I, this is too big. and I don't, I don't want to do anything about this because uh, this is kind of scary. No, that's showing you that you don't love your neighbor as much as you love yourselves because you're deciding for your own convenience and comfort. You cannot do that and expect to remain a free people. You will not remain free. You will not be getting closer to the kingdom of God and his righteousness because you're not being righteous. Now, I'm going to say that in a couple different ways before we're done. But anyway, that's what we're concerned about is that you awaken to the fact that you do have to care about the weightier matters. Not just for yourself, but for your neighbor. So anyway, this uh, we are concerned about those running around in the, the halls of power and authority in the government of our neighbor. Uh, searching for solutions when they lack knowledge. They don't understand how the system works and uh, and they don't have the whole truth and their own feet need to be cleaned because that's what you see Christ washing the feet. That's symbolic, but it's very important that we wash our own feet, that we get our own feet washed and we have to wash each other's feet. And so that's what this is all about. I'm trying to say to the, because there's a lot of good guys that are in violation of this and they need to step down. And if they would get together and fess up and say, we screwed up, we need to forfeit this office. And so does everybody else who's violated this. You will wipe the whole government of Oregon clean of people and start over again from scratch. That might bring about an awakening in the people. It certainly will send shudders through the halls of power and authority. And people say, well, we, can't, we don't, then we wouldn't have anybody in the government. Well, you wouldn't have anybody in the government who has any power. <laughs> but the session, the Oregon session is going to end at the end of this month anyway, so they're not going to be able to pass any more laws anyhow. But, uh, and, but most of Oregon isn't run by men with elected offices. But it would be, it would be a great awakening. It would be news. It would be a shot for righteousness around the world. They say, we're going to forfeit our office. We're going to step down. We're never going to do this again. We're going to keep the rules according to the right way. If you put it off and don't press this issue, you do what they call acquiesce. And we talk about that in the article. And if you read the footnotes, we give you the footnotes so you can understand all this stuff. So anyway, we talked earlier about the OSP supposedly going out and getting these senators and why they're doing it because of the fact that they they need this quorum in order to vote. They don't have the quorum. They can't vote. They can't pass it into law. And this is a standard operating procedure. It's been done for uh, decades upon decades by both parties. And uh, it's when you have a supermajority that is abusing the fact that they're a supermajority, which is to be expected. Saul was a great guy, but then you give him all this power and he was corrupted by that power. And the thing is, if you create offices of power, men who seek power will seek office. Men who seek power seek more power because they become addicted to it. And then you have your souls and, and you can't hardly get rid of them until they fall on their own sword. But uh, lots of people sometimes die before that, which is what we see in that story about Saul and David and all that stuff. 
So the question is, who is the lawful governor of Oregon? And and we have in here links to show you Article 2, Section 22 in its entirety. You can go to the website, you know, and click on the footnote. I think it's footnote 8. And it, you can read it right down through. But we're not going to read it right down. We're going to expect you to go do that. But then we also have a link to a place called VoteSmart. VoteSmart.org. Uh, you can go to it right now. Just type in VoteSmart.org. And you can go to it, and you can look up Kate Brown, you can look up your senator, you can look up your congressman in Oregon. Now, this rule doesn't apply to all the other states, because a person in Oregon is a little different than a person in Idaho. <laughs> but the fact is, is if the Oregonians were to actually step forward and do the right thing, loving their neighbor as themselves, holding their rulers, their lawmakers, to the laws that they are bound by, that would send a ripple across the nation, and you might, you know, the, the reason that's in the article, in the Constitution, Article 2, Section 22, is the people voted it in. The people of Oregon voted it in. And what it basically says is that you cannot take contributions for your campaign outside of your district in excess of 10% of the total amount you bring in. So if you brought in $100,000, you could bring in $10,000 from outside your district. And that could go into your account. Now, maybe we'll get to, before we get, we show you the ways in which they can get around all this. But what people don't understand, you know, like, give you Kate Brown as an example, which we have it here in the article. She received twenty million two hundred ninety-seven thousand four hundred and fifty-eight dollars and ninety-five cents in donations for her campaign. I still, to this day, don't know how much she spent on her campaign, but she got twenty million dollars from donations to run her campaign for governor. Now, she was an incumbent because she was originally appointed governor because the other guy wasn't in office anymore. And so she was appointed, so that made her an incumbent. It doesn't cost as much for an incumbent usually to run. And then so many, like she's a Democrat, so so many Democrats just vote Democrat. They don't even care. They don't even look at the facts. They're just, because they believe in their party, and they don't even look at what it's actually doing. And they don't, they can't juggle all the balls that are necessary to understand what's going on behind the scenes. But $12 million of that $20 million was uh, from within the state, which means that seven and a half million dollars came from outside of the state of Oregon. She was only allowed to take two million dollars. If she received, it, actually, there's a way to figure this out in ratios, but just roughly speaking, she could take in two million from outside of the state. Now, why are people outside of the state trying to get? Kate Brown elected governor inside the state when her power is only inside the state. Why are they doing that? <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, the reality is is that you can answer that in your own imagination. But she took seven million. She was allowed two million. She took seven million in over seven million. So she's in violation to the tune of at least five million five hundred thousand dollars that she took, that she didn't have any right to take, and puts her in violation of Article 2, Section 22, which states that she must forfeit her office. She can't be governor by law. You don't have to recall her. She can't be governor. 
You don't have to get, you don't have to sign a petition or anything. As a matter of fact, if you understand the law, it's really kind of a bad thing to set up that petition. Because it creates an estoppel, which we're not going to go into here. I do explain it in the article. And at least if you read all the footnotes. But you may need further explanation because we're getting into some legal uh, concepts here. I'm not giving anybody legal advice. That's why I quote what the law is. I'm not telling you, I'm not interpreting it. Although I do have, you know, those cases that tried to challenge the law. I do have it so you can go read the cases. We have footnotes that take you to links where you can go read the cases. But, you know, I advise you to get a lawyer. <laughs> you know, but I, what I advise you to do is come together and seek righteousness wherever you're at. Wherever you're in bondage. If you're in prison, seek righteousness in that prison. You know, uh, if you're in, you know, if you're a citizen of Sweden or Australia, you need to seek righteousness in wherever you're at, in whatever condition, whatever state you find yourself in. But in, in paragraph four of that same article two, section 22, it says that she's committed a felony. Literally, if she's committed a felony, OSP can go in there and arrest her. For occupying the office of governor when she is commanded by the Constitution to forfeit that office. When you say, well, well, isn't there somebody like the Secretary of State that is supposed to enforce this? Well, somebody took it to the Secretary of State. And what I've been told is that they said they don't know how to do it. (laughs) Well, it could be because of the fact that the reason they're Secretary of State is because Kate Brown appointed them. Because the other... Secretary of State that was elected, probably illegally, I haven't looked that up, but you can look it up at VoteSmart, died. And so she got to appoint this new, and so the person who appointed <laughs> she's supposed to remove the person who appointed her? Because the reality is, is that Kate Brown is not the lawful governor of Oregon, because she's violated this deal, which I just showed you, and I give you the links where anybody can go see this. Then the Secretary of State that she appointed isn't the real Secretary of State. <laughs> See, it's kind of compounded itself. And all those bills they passed about vaccinations and, and the attempt to pass, uh, cap and trade, they're not legally passed. Because the people that voted on them weren't in their offices legally. You know, and just, you know, and doing some just fundamental research, I was looking and, uh, you know, I didn't look up everybody, and I, it's not my government, it's your government, it's your, see, what you need to do is get together in groups, and those groups need to get together, and you need to pick a, the most dedicated team you can find, that, of honorable men, and my, some of them could be men like those senators, who really risked a lot by, you know, jumping out the window, so to speak, and running to the other state to prevent what they consider to be a draconian bill. It shows some character on their part, like Senator Herman, uh, I don't really know how to pronounce his name, it's it's a big long name, but Bairdscheiger, uh, Bairdscheiger Jr., he's a Republican senator, and he was one of the guys that spoke out and and left. He's in violation of Article 2, Section 22. Not like Kate Brown, not millions of dollars, and thousands of dollars, but he, I don't really think he took bribes, but, you know, this is... People don't understand that when you run for office, you know, all that money, that $20 million that Kate Brown got in donations, that's put into an account. Anytime you go over $700, it's put into an account. And, you know, 99% in Oregon don't know how this works. But it goes into an account. They can take that money out for anything they want. 
They don't have to just spend it on their campaign. That's their money. They have to put it in the account because it has to be accounted for. It doesn't say anything about money she might have taken under the table or favors that she got or, you know, phone calls in the middle of the night, buy this stock or, you know, you know, secret, you know, insider trading kind of information. She might be doing that too, but I don't know about that. But I can tell you all that money that she got, that $20 million, she can spend that any way she wants. She can leave it in there tax-free. She can take it out and buy a home. Bernie Sanders bought $3 million homes. How did he do that? Well, he was getting millions of dollars in contributions from all kinds of people, and then he stopped running. Well, he stopped spending money on his campaign. So what happened to all the millions of dollars that he got? Well, that's his. Folks, that's bribes. That's the rewards of running for office. And now you know why 27 people are running for president. <laughs> Because there's a lot of money to be made in running for president. <laughs> we'll be back to Keys of the Kingdom. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So to kind of sum this all up in the next uh, half hour, what is what are we learning here? Is that, you know, the systems of the world have lots and lots of rules. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of laws and regulations. And they have men who exercise authority one over the other. In the kingdom of God, we don't have anybody exercising authority one over the other because we, we, in the kingdom of God, you get all your rights back in the kingdom of God. But you can't have your rights back unless you take back your responsibility. If you, if you sell your rights to make choices for benefits, you know, the rewards of unrighteousness, <laughs> then you, you lose access to those rights. You still have them, but you don't have access to them. If you, if you don't exercise your responsibility, you will lose your rights, access to your rights. This is just the way, it's built into the system. It's built into nature. It's like physics. You jump off the building, you head towards the sidewalk because gravity is going to take over. You can change your mind after you jump off the building, but you're still going to hit the sidewalk because <laughs> you already set certain things into motion because of choices you did make. So you want... Even though when you make certain choices, you think, well, I'm just making this about this. And I don't really mean, I'm, you know, because I'm sure that, that Herman was not taking a bribe. But, you know, I'm, I'm reasonably sure. I haven't really met the guy. But I looked into his life a little bit and, and the things that he says and stuff. And I don't think that the, the few extra thousand dollars he received over what he is legally rightfully allowed to receive from outside of his district. Because with him, it was a much smaller campaign. He's not dealing with $20 million. It's $155,000, I think, is what he received in donations. And a, a small percentage of that, but more than 10%, was from outside of his district. And and there's ways to calculate even that, because sometimes you're given stuff by corporations and companies. And the reality is... It, this was put into place by the people, this law, this Article 2, Section 22, because they saw that their legislature and their governor was being influenced by people that did not have organ interests at heart. And they were stretching their judgment of their elected officials. And so they put this into place to try to regulate them. Now, you can go read our you know, articles on uh, contracts, covenants, and constitutions and... And the dangers of giving, you know, there's, 
The Bible tells you what to put in a constitution. Four or five major things you put in a constitution to prevent the corruption if you decide to have a chief executive officer. But we won't go into those. You can go read those articles. We already have audios on it. So what I'm saying is that Herman needs to repent and think differently. You must abide by the law if you want to be a just lawmaker. And he hasn't done that. There's very few, very few. Uh, if I can't talk about all of them because I haven't checked all of them. And I'm not going to take the time to do that because it's not my job. It's your job. But you could get together, you know, in small groups here and there. And there are people that are in that system that will you can gather with. And if we if we get a small group that stands up to that and I hear about it, I will pass it on to people in the network. But you guys need to get organized. You need to find each other. And you need to hold your officers accountable to the rules that they are accountable to. And that's being righteous in the unrighteous mammon. So that you'll be fit for more righteous habitation. Because right now, most of you people who go to a Christian, what you call a Christian church, are not holding your ministers to the rules that Christ laid down. And most of you don't even know the rules that Christ laid down. Because <laughs> your ministers aren't telling you. And that's why I go back to, if if you ask your minister, what did Christ list as the weightier matters that we're supposed to be attending to, and he don't know, you need to rethink who your minister is. You can do that in the church. But you can't necessarily do that in the world. But you can hold them accountable. Because you need to be seeking righteousness. It's not right that your lawmakers are not keeping the law. And if they all, and like I say, if you got 10, 20, 30 of these legislatures who had violated Article 2, Section 22, stand up and admit and confess openly that we're in violation and we must forfeit our office and so must everybody else. Instead of fleeing the state, they go back there to vote and say, we are willing to vote, except for we don't have a right to vote because we're in violation and it has come to our knowledge that so is the governor, so is everybody else in public office, almost everybody, that they all need to cease and desist operating in those offices, making these rules. Because all these rules that were made just simply increase taxes or uh, limit rights that you used to have in January 1st that you're not going to have at the end of this <laughs> session in Oregon. And you're not going to have those rights, access to those rights, because you're persons and you have to go by the rules. How can they expect you to go by the rules? And I'm not giving you license to disobey those rules. Because your disobedience is not licensed by their disobedience. You need to hold them accountable. And they need to hold themselves accountable. And if they start doing that, then they can hold the others who probably are taking bribes accountable because there's some of these guys i have no doubt just knowing human nature that are taking this money and putting tens of thousands hundreds of thousands altogether millions and millions of dollars in their personal bank accounts because they're being bribed by special interest groups 
And the law was put into place to prevent that, or at least govern it, or slow it down a little bit. But they're disregarding the law, and they've been doing it. I mean, this law's been around, I mean, it was first challenged in 1995, and 1996, 1997. And every time it was challenged, it, it was ruled that it is constitutional. And so it is the law, but they're not keeping it. So you need to do something about it. And that's where I come to the next section in the article is acquiescence. Nothing strengthens authority so much as silence. Now that's not a new statement. That was Leonardo da Vinci said that. And I can go, I was actually thinking about putting some, uh, maxims of law in here that say the same thing. Cause it, but then those are written originally in Latin and you might not get it. But, uh, it's, it's a basic principle. And even Einstein said, if I were to remain silent, I'd be guilty of complicity. And that's exactly what's happening. Is Of course, some of them are guilty of actually doing it. Take the medicine. Reorganize. Do the right thing. That's our interest. Is Everybody needs to start doing the right thing and wherever they are at. Whether you're in Skid Row on the streets, whether you're in prison, whether you're in politics or any other criminal activity. <laughs> Just kidding around here. Uh, you need to do the right thing and make a habit of doing the right thing and think about things in that context. Don't, if you make excuses for yourself, you give license to others to make excuses. So you don't need to recall the governor. You need to hold her to the law. You know, uh, that's, and you need to make a habit of holding everybody to what they, they say. You know, and I've told lots and lots of stories and I don't want to get into it, uh, you know, in my own family that, you know, when they, they wanted to answer, when they were kids and they wanted to answer to a question, I says, I can answer it right now, but I don't think you'll like the answer. And so they, knowing me, they said, oh, we'll wait. <laughs> Giving them a heads up. Because right now the answer is not going to be what you want to hear. Later on I may decide, you know, I'm just following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I may decide differently. But if you're a person in the government of Oregon or any government, you need to abide by the rules of that government. Or you need to do something completely different. And... uh Otherwise, you have no power to hold them to it. But anyway, I say there is no need to give an eviction notice to a burglar. And literally, it says in the in the law that they forfeit their office if they're in violation of the terms that are laid down in paragraph 1 and 2. They forfeit the office. And it is considered, now if they've taken the office anyway, see, they forfeited before they even took the oath. But now that they've taken the oath, they're guilty of a felon. And the first act that they did, pretending to be the governor or the legislator or the voter, it's literally a felon. That's a felony. Because they don't have any right to the office. And I've already had a group of seemingly courageous people who were fighting some of these bills that were coming up and wanted to do something about it. But when they were confronted to this and look at this and they started looking and seeing how many people are in violation, how many people will have to step down? Uh, you want to drain the swamp? This drains the swamp. you got to start over from scratch. 
But it won't do you any good because, like I said, there are ways around this. In the long run, there are ways around it. It makes it more inconvenient. You can't put as much money directly into your personal account as they're doing right now. Because right now, they're openly bribing uh, congressmen, governors, senators. They're doing this all across the nation. Openly bribing by giving, contributing money. To, I mean, if, if you went and look at Bernie Sanders. Now, Bernie Sanders supposedly squeezed out. Why isn't he yelling like a stuck, stuck pig that he was squeezed out? Because he walked away with millions of dollars in donations. <laughs> you know, I can actually, what I was amazed at, I would actually see Republicans donating to Democratic candidates. <laughs> you know, they would get money and then they would take money out of their free accounts and they would put it in the free accounts of other Opposing party congressmen. What the heck is going on? Another little trick that they're doing is like one party, they got like the parties that have the most candidates. So the Democratic Party almost always has more candidates for almost every office than the Republican Party. Why? Because they're progressives. Progressive leftists, they're more energetic. They're more interested in controlling and uh, having power because that's what they're seeking. So you'll you'll get a dozen or half a dozen people buying for the same office. Well, it gets to so you're running against six other progressives. So what you know what they do? They go over and register with the other party. They're still progressives. They still have all the other values of the Democratic Party, but they're registered Republican. Now they run as Republican. <laughs> so the, the two things happen. One is they they get to. Uh, take all kinds of donations that they're going to get to keep <laughs> when they're done. And because uh, I saw there were guys who had no chance of winning whatsoever and they were still out campaigning. I'm wondering why are they still soliciting donations and, oh, we got to do this. And they were all about stopping, you know, Governor Brown in this particular state. You can find this in every state. And, uh, but they were, they knew they were going to win and they were still trying to get more because they get to keep the money. <laughs> That's why, you know, a week before, they're not going to go out and spend a bunch of money that's suddenly going to get boost them in the polls. They're just collecting money that they get to put in their pocket. Yeah, they might be able to use it in the next campaign. They could leave it in there and use it in the next campaign. But they could also, you know, when they retire, they could buy a villa in South France. <laughs> you know, they could do all kinds of things with it. So, you... The fact is, is they are legally, openly registered bribe takers. Now, I'm not saying everybody is doing the bribing because everybody, some people stand up for what's right. But if you're going to tell me that you're going to stand up for what's right and this money that you're getting is not a bribe, let me see you abide by the rules that you're sworn to uphold. Let me see that and then I will believe it. But again, this is your government I'm talking about, people of Oregon. People of the United States, people of Australia. Because the same thing goes on in all kinds of places. They don't all have an Article 2, Section 22. They could if they voted it in. And if Oregon set the example, I bet you a lot of other states would vote it in. And then suddenly it's not so profitable to, like I said, they can get around this. And and I'm not going to tell you on the air. (laughs) But, but, uh, it, let's see if you get to first base before I tell you how to run for second base. <laughs> so, it, but it's in my interest that you and the neighboring governments of the world 
it's my interest that Australia does the right thing, Australians do the right thing, Canadians do the right thing, uh, Chinese do the right thing, Russians do the right thing, because they're all my neighbors. And the red heifer, the sacrifice of the red heifer, requires that I care about my neighboring nations, neighboring governments, as much as I do my own. I'm a part of the church. That's my government. And the church is separate from the from the governments of the world. But then that's another whole program, which we've had and we will have again. But anyway, uh, I'll, I also want to leave you with another quote before we get to the end. We have a little bit more time. Is not only will we have to repent for the sins of bad people, but we also will have to repent for the appalling silence of good people. And that's what's happening is that people are seeing that this is this is overwhelming. You know, you have it within your power. I mean, 300 good men who know how to drink in the wilderness <laughs> could uh, literally unseat 80 to 90 percent of the government of Oregon, the elected officials of Oregon. I mean, most of the other bureaucrats will still be in place doing their own thing. I mean, the OSP is still going to be going down the road and giving you tickets for breaking the law. But now this is your opportunity for giving the governor a ticket for breaking the law. And the ticket is she must forfeit her office. I mean, that's what it says there, unless I'm reading it wrong. But you, like, that's why we put it up so that people can see it all in one place. It's all at preparing you under the article slip hazard. And Anybody can take this and republish the article somewhere else and uh, send it out to anybody they want to send it out to. But we want you to learn what the weightier matters are. We want you to learn how to come together and care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself, your rights as much as you care about their rights. And and even you have to love your enemy. You know, this is not about being mean to Kate Brown. It will do her good. To be held accountable for what she has done, which has taken five million dollars and donations she had no right to take according to the law, which makes her a felon. And of course, a felony of stealing five million dollars, because literally she's taking that money under false pretenses. But now she's signing bills into law under false pretenses. Secretary of State is not holding her accountable. The Attorney General is not holding her accountable. But neither is the legislature. Neither is the Senate. And most important to me is neither are you. You are not standing up for the what's right. All you have to do, get together, form a small group. Like I say, 300 people, maybe 3,000 supporting them a little bit with a few donations, a few dollars here and there. They need to hire a lawyer probably. But they need to send out notices to everybody who's... They need to make a list. I mean, the data's right there. You can look it up. Somebody... One guy, probably in a day, could make out a huge data list and find out who the worst offenders are, which obviously, from what I've seen so far, is Kate Brown, and send them a notice. Registered mail. You're in violation of Article 2, Section 22. And say, you need to forfeit your office. You need to step down right now. Uh, you have 24 hours to step down and get out of the office. And you need to notify that everything that you have signed is not legal. And, uh, you, you know, 
Oregon will still run. Truckers will still go down the road. Loggers will still cut down trees. <laughs> Lumbermen will still saw boards. Boards will still go and build houses. All that will continue to go. You, you, tax collectors will still be collecting taxes. You know, when you get down in these local offices, these small offices, these non-executive elected offices, you don't find so much of that corruption. You know, uh, they're not necessarily getting donations from outside of their district or outside of their state. But everybody needs a heads up. You're going to make laws. You need to keep laws. If you're going to hold the people of Oregon accountable, the people of Oregon have a right to hold you accountable to your rules. Hopefully, in this process, and they'll fight against it. And there's no, there's billions and billions of dollars that are going into private pockets. I mean, why do they want billion dollar slush funds? Who are the major contributors to your governor? Well, you can go look that up, but it's contractors who are going to get contracts from the state. Now, that looks like a conflict of interest. I can't say that it's actual bribes, but it looks like bribes from here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> You have to find that out, but you don't have to prove that. I just proved to you and this showed you, and you can prove it for yourself. That they're in violation of their own rules. That makes me nervous. That my next door neighbors. Don't keep their own rules. They're a lawless society. That's kind of what Philistines were. <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm kind of going up against Goliath. But uh, the, there's a lot, lot of giants in this world. And they can all come down. If you use a good smooth stone <laughs> of truth. To face what is not true or not right. That's that's our leverage. You know, and, you know, let God, you know, I, I tell the truth, let God sort them out. You need to act upon the truth that you now have an opportunity to see. If you don't act, if you wait, and and you you acquiesce, and if you acquiesce, you give them power. And I could go into for hours showing you throughout history where people who had the opportunity to face corruption or face wanton abuse and did not. And the law, acquiescence occurs when a person knowingly stands by without raising any objection to the infringement of his or her rights while someone else unknowingly, unknowingly, and many people have done this unknowingly, and without malice, a forethought acts in a manner inconsistent with their rights. Nobody has a right to an elected office in the state of Oregon if they're in violation of Article 2, Section 22. Now, that, that means that all those guys... And all those people who voted for those guys and like those guys and maybe should like those guys because maybe some of those guys are really great guys. But they don't know that they're in violation. Without malice, they're in violation. But now you know that they're in violation and you don't do anything about it. You don't stand up, but you just stand by and wait and acquiesce. You don't deserve freedom. And you will not have freedom in this world or the next because you have a responsibility to stand up and do what's right.
when the opportunity is given to you. And that's all we're doing. Nobody needs to storm the Capitol with, you know, guns or or any of that stuff. You just need to stand up and tell the truth. You send that notice out. Okay, they don't they don't step down in 24 hours. What do you do? Well, there's probably all kinds of things. You can file it in, in the courts. A writ of mandamus saying that, you know, they need to do their job. They need to step down. And everybody, you know, Oregon State Police need to do their job. Sheriffs need to do their job. That there are people illegally occupying <laughs> the offices of the state capitol. They need to be arrested for illegally occupying. And so all you need to do is find one judge that says, you know, they are in violation of Article 2, Section 20. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, get, see, you can get a writ of mandamus to the sheriff to go and arrest the governor. You can get a writ of mandamus for the Oregon State Police to go and arrest the governor. Uh, it's not mutiny anymore because you have this separation of powers. But now you're going to have to find an honest lawyer and you may have to find an honest judge who's also a lawyer. <laughs> well, actually, I know of a judge who wants to go forward on this. <laughs> But I'm not going to tell you his name. You have to come together first. This is this is key. And you have to actually care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. You have to care about righteousness as much as you care about comfort and convenience. You you need to learn to stand up for what is right. And if you don't, May God have mercy on your soul. So anyway, you have a challenge. It's been laid out before I said anything. I'm just pointing it out. Now it's going to be up to you to do the right thing. And uh, let me know how that works out. <laughs> we'll be watching. Meanwhile, we're seeking the kingdom. Join the network. God bless. Peace on your house. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.